Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Oh, Shabbatasso. Vinayel. Even even vin vin. Even invisible. 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 We worship you. Immortality in light. We worship you. Invisible. Unto the King eternal. Immortal. Invisible. The only wise God. The only wise God. Thank you. Fetch the cat of fetch for an ashton. I'll press the fella. Press the fella. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you. Oh, yes. But all we want to do is, is to build your house. For, is to take that privilege to not despise it. To come willingly to take the privilege of building your house. So heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. All these things that my heart made. Where is the house you build unto me? Father, we, we pray that you will help us as we, we take this profession, Lord, to, to build in the invisible. Take the profession of the invisible. To build in the invisible. To build and not get weary and tired but Lord to see your glory at every point of every place Lord to, to, to build up the tabernacle of God thank you our Lord we bless your name in Jesus name we pray amen hallelujah glory to God Ephesians chapter 1 Ephesians chapter 1 amen Thank you, Father. Mercy. Thank you. Verse 19, therefore, okay, let's see, sorry. From verse 18, for through him, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Through him, you see that? Through him we, we both have what? Access by who? By, by one spirit unto the what? Unto the Father. Through him. So you see they are all, they are all present here. Um, that him here, of course, this is speaking about Jesus, um, who they call him, if you go back to verse 13, let's see verse 13, it says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ, 
For he is our peace, who had made both one and had broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in, in himself of twain one new word, man, so what, making peace. I love this word when he keeps saying in himself, in himself. Um, that would tell you that Jesus is more than just the physical person. Imagine in someone, they kept saying in him, in him, things are happening. All manner of happenings, occurrences are in him. Praise God. And so this is just speaking about that peace. When you say that he is our peace, you're making with reference to um, approach to the Father. Do you see that? That with, when it comes to man's approach to the Father, that there was enmity, it's clear. Reading this, reading Romans, praise God. You know, there's enmity between, there's someone came in between and brought enmity between man and the Father. And man can't come back to the Father without a peace being made. And that peace is Jesus, is a person. And it's not a kind of peace which he goes to make on your behalf alone. It's also, of course, it makes is a dimension which he makes on your behalf, which he has already done, which you weren't there when that aspect was done. Praise God. That um, there's something about the, the blood that brought you near. Amen. Sometimes while you were still far off, there's a kind of nearness which the blood brought to you. But that nearness is not everything. Praise God. It's one thing to be near. It's another thing to have made peace with him. Glory to God. So there is that which he, there's that peace, peace which he went to make on your behalf. But then there is that also which is made in him. So it's clear that the one that's made in him is a, is a different concept of peace from maybe someone going to beg God on your behalf, that this one is something that is a kind of is peace that is a work that was made. It says, for he is our peace who had made both one and hath broken down the middle what, wall of partition between us and has abolished, having abolished in his flesh the enmity. Do you see that? Even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself of twain one man, so therefore what? Making peace. Praise God. Hallelujah. And that, that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having what? 
slaying the enmity thereby. So you can see that slaying of enmity is not really the full reconciliation, right? There must there is a kind of reconciliation unto God that is must will be done after the enmity has been slain. Right? This this enmity is talking about that unpeaceful kind of um, position which the soul has before God. That if that peace is not accomplished, then what will happen? The ministry of reconciliation, the actual ministry of reconciliation, which is to God himself, will not be possible, will not be done. And then he came and preached peace to you. So you have seen the message which was preached as peace, which were afar off unto them that were near. For through him we both have access by who? By one spirit unto the Father, access by one spirit, by one spirit through him. So one, so if you have access by one spirit, but it's through him, right? The way they are doing it, the way you are seeing it is a progression. Through him, by one spirit. Say through him. By one spirit. Praise God. You have access. So through is telling you how you get there. Then that through is the way to get to God. When you say through, it means it's a passage. Through is a passage. You pass the passage. That's him in he. Remember, he said that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the what? the Father except by me, but by me. So it means that he's a passage, he's a way. You must go through him to get to the Father. But that, that way that he is, 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 appears, becomes visible by one spirit. Do you see that? So what you're seeing is a spirit that will make the way appear. Then when the way has appeared, then the the person who we are all coming to will appear through that way. Glory to God. So now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles, praise God, and prophets, Jesus Christ, then himself, being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the word spirit. So you see the same thing in verse 22. You see that's the same thing in verse 18. They're bringing all of them together. 
praise God. He's telling you that their ministries are tied. They are linked to each other. You can't separate them. It says, in whom? Well, this whom is who? In Jesus. Right? That you are, you are builded together. That in whom you are builded together. You see why, why they call it builded together. When they say you are builded together, it means that the building that emerges has him, his peace there. Right? He is there sitting as, as a, first of all, um, a kind of foundation. Do you see that? Now, in verse 20, let's go back to verse 20. You say that it says that and are built upon the what? The foundation of the apostles and prophets. Now, when they say the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, the, the foundation of the apostles and the prophet is not the apostles and the prophet. They are the ones who, who make, lay the foundation. But the foundation which they lay is him still. Right? Paul was saying that no other foundation should anyone lay than that which is what? Than that which is already laid. Praise God. Now, that which is already laid is a foundation which is Christ Jesus. Right? That's 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11. You see that? It says, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? So, so the foundation in verse 20, which we are built upon, although it's laid by the apostles and the prophet, right? But it is Jesus Christ. And then Jesus Christ himself is also the word, the chief cornerstone. Jesus is many things. Praise God. You, um, then verse 21, in whom, in, in him. So he is the foundation. He is a cornerstone. Right? And then in in him, all the building are fitly framed together. Fitly framed together. Groweth in unto an holy temple in the Lord. So in him, all the building, when it's framed together, so you're seeing him being the foundation, there are some things that you, you can never be, right? You can, you are, you, there are some, when it's, you, the house appears finally, there are some parts of the house that they can't ever find you in that aspect of the house. They mention the aspect foundation, then the corners. The cornerstone is like a stone. It actually raises up from the, from the ground. It's not just a foundation. It's actually a stone wherein the rest of the house rests upon. Do you see that? So those are, those are him, but when they build it together, there's him as the foundation, him as the cornerstone. Then there is then him, and which is him in you, or it's actually you in him. That would then bring, be, become building blocks 
around the house that will be fitly framed together and will grow up right into an holy temple in the Lord. So there is a, there's an unholy temple in the Lord. Like I told you, in this Lord, there are many things. One of the first things in him is an holy temple. That's not all. And not when you are being um, built, you will be built into a holy temple in him. But that's not the end of your of you being built. That's not all that you will build. You now realize that the holy temple is actually a foundation, right, for another type of um, another type of a building. Uh, when you check in the spirit, the final picture is a building sitting on a building. Right? It's a building that is sitting on a building. In other words, God um, doesn't, will not be suspended. God must sit on a foundation. And that foundation must be built. Praise God. That foundation, when it's built, is called a holy temple. What you call a holy temple is a temple that can execute and carry out foundational function for the habitation or for the dwelling of God. There's what you call foundational function, and there are many in the spirit. Many, many foundational functions. And that that temple, when you you are able to look at that temple, check out the temple, extract that temple in the spirit, you will now find that there are many. And you know, every temple is a house of activities, right? A, a temple is one of the busiest places you can find. There are things going on in the temple. There are prescriptions, details, ordinances of everything that must be carried out and that must be done within a temple. So a temple is, an, is a house of activities. But these are, it's clear we are seeing here that all the activities of the temple are activities that are foundational to the dwelling of God. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. For the what? For the dwelling of God in our soul. Amen. Amen. Of, course, of course, we all know I'm not speaking about your spirit, man. This teaching is about the soul. You ask me, what is the soul? The soul is just it's simple. It's not that hard to... The spirit man is harder to perceive because he's an inner man. He's uh, inner. He's hidden, actually. This, that's why you say, ah, where's my spirit? They, they configured, your, your spirit is you, but is hidden from you. That's why when you're trying to look for him, if someone asked me recently, she was asking me, ah, that, how do I know when is the spirit of God speaking to me or when is my spirit? I said, what kind of question is this? <laughs> <laughs> so, 
the answer to that question, I just felt that let's not go into that place. I just said, just for you, where, at your level where you are right now, it's actually not that important for you to know the difference between this, the Spirit of God speaking to you and your spirit. And I said, why is it not that important? Because they can never disagree as long as you are born again. So anything your spirit man will say to you, the Holy Ghost approves it. And everything the Holy Spirit will say to you, your spirit man approves it. So don't worry trying to figure out. All, all you should be, be worried about is trying to figure out when evil spirits <laughs> talk to you. right? <laughs> so differentiate the voice of an evil spirit from that of your own spirit and from that of the Spirit of God. That's where the task, and it's not that easy. It's a serious curriculum. It's a mighty school. And this thing of why you are building, the evil spirit will also bring their own blocks too and say, can we, uh, can we put this one here? There are many spirits who are interested in, in your own building. Praise Jesus. So, so I was wondering, why don't you finish that school first? Let's finish that one before you start asking about your spirit. Because I know it's a very, very difficult thing. Praise God. The, the scriptures didn't really teach about your spirit man. The Bible doesn't really teach about your spirit man. Um, it's that when it came to the spirit man's job, anything that has to do with your spirit man, just leave it for God. Just leave it for God. God doesn't really need your input. Do you realize that in making, maybe making your spirit man better, making it grow? Making, no, God doesn't need your input. That one is only, he's the only one who delves into that realm. That realm is a realm, no pastor can get there. No pastor knows anything about dealing with the spirit of man. It was only God. Even after a while, Jesus, God is the one who went into hell to preach to spirits. Right? The, the glory of God went himself to hell upon Jesus to speak to spirits. Praise God. So spirits, that, that spirit there is a different thing altogether. It's the one, it's a, it's a tool of God. It's, a, it's actually only the creator interacts with spirit. Amen. Um, but when it comes to your soul, so when, when you say, okay, what is your soul? Soul is very simple. Soul is just you. <laughs> you get? So just think about everything you know about you that is not about your body. That's your soul. If you minus your body, right, and say, we know about your body, your pretty face, nice lips, nice eyes, you know, your muscles, Take that away. I, you understand what I mean? <laughs> Just remove all your physical characteristics. I'm six feet something tall, five foot tall, all of those things. Just remove all those things. Everything that doesn't have, it's not about you. That's about you. That's not about your body that you know is your soul. How you think, right? How you, your, all your preferences, what you like to do. Where you like to go, or anything else with your liking, your willing, your you're not liking, your angry anger, your joyfulness, your feeling, your 
your, your thinking, your playfulness, your seriousness, your isn't everything that's all about your body. That is so. So are you seeing that entity is who they wrote the Bible to? Amen. Is who they wrote what? But so the only issue is that in church, we speak more about the one who Jesus, God handled. That's the spirit. You were not there when they raised you from. You didn't even have a consciousness that you were in the grave. I wonder if you remember when you were in the grave. I mean, when you were an unbeliever. Did you even know you were in a grave? Imagine going about doing things, walking around, going shopping, going to the mall, going everywhere. You didn't know you were in a grave. Because the part of you that was in the grave is beyond your perception. It was your spirit man. <laughs> so you didn't even know. It was until a preacher came and preached to you and preached to you, and then your preacher has to speak to your soul. Then they put the gate into your spirit in your soul. When you believe, you believe that God raised him from the dead. You say, yes, I believe. Do you want him to be your Lord? Yes, I want him to be my Lord. Then just by your soul making that movement, you give God the license. Say, God, you have a license. Move into the grave where my spirit man is. And then God went there. When he was going, all Satan and his boys stood away. Who are you coming? Nobody comes here. This is where we kept all the souls, all the men. Everybody here, they are all our children. They belong to us. We can prove it. And then they, they will show, look at this license here. I have a license from the soul who that spirit belongs to, to come and take him from here. And there's one miraculous thing that God did that once the soul gives a license, no, there is no law, there's no authority in heaven or hell or beneath that can stop the reclaiming of a spirit. Do you get what I'm saying? And when Satan saw it, he said, ah, how did we miss this one? Is that, 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 would be that bad, that preacher? I've been telling you guys, oh, we don't be letting him be talking every time. Hmm? Where were you when he was preaching this message? You didn't know when to, to, to send sleep? <laughs> Why, how, 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 how did this occur? Say, I'm sorry, we didn't know. It was just a, in the moment before we knew it, she was in the altar crying. Say, Lord, save my soul. <laughs> Say, look, we can't stop this. And they allowed the, the Lord will go and, and fetch your spirit. That's what you didn't know. You were sleeping, maybe. You, have, you didn't even know. You were just, you were just, all you were thinking about, oh my God, God, if you can save me. You didn't ask. You were making that confession. In a, in a split second, God doesn't take too much time. You see how that conversation happened in a split second. It doesn't take, it doesn't take too much time. Before you know it, he has gone. He has brought your spirit out. Just imagine someone. Someone's spirit is in the grave. The next millisecond is with God. It's with Christ. And the person didn't even know something happened. They just thought they cried and went back to their seat. But something happened. Satan was dispossessed. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So that whole, that whole thing, all you did was went to altar call. You have no clue what happened to your spirit. But the Bible 
it's not really about your spirit man. The Bible is about who? It's about your soul. The Bible is about the one you can control. Right? That's why they will write Bible to you. And that's why it's not preaching Bible that, that makes people get born again. Someone who is in the grave cannot read Bible. It's, it's, a, it's always a move of the spirit somehow. So you don't even know why. There. Someone was telling me the other day, I didn't even know. They just told me you know, when I was in a down place, very down in my life and all that. I didn't even know. Someone just told me, okay, I just ah, don't have anything to lose. Why, what do I have to lose? Let me just go. That's how they went to church. What happened? The Holy Ghost moved. Altar call. Before she knew it, she was there in the altar. And since then, her life has not been the same. And it will never be the same again. Glory to God. Praise God. So the church is what? For the soul. And if we are all honest, you know what? Your soul. Your soul. Amen. Amen. Some of us, our soul didn't get the memo. You understand? After you stood up from the altar call and to everything. The soul didn't change his language. It didn't change how he talks. It didn't. Oh boy, what are we doing now? What are we doing? Where are we what are we doing today? What are we doing? Is it the same rascally kind of something? Some of you thought that after getting born again, you will feel whole. You just be, you know what I mean? In your room without radio, you will be hearing, all the heavens angels welcome all. Welcome to heaven. We're all the saints. But nothing like that. The same, you just felt normal, the same thing is because of, say, the soul. Right? The soul. Praise God. So, the, the, the thing about man, and this is what we must know, of course, um, and something is pulling my heart to come down today. I don't know what it is. Just speak as a, at a very simple uh, with a very simple language that we all can understand. Praise God. And so when you, the soul, one thing about God is that with God, with God, God, your spirit is, your spirit is the real you. Right? The, your spirit, even though you can't perceive him with your soul, because they put the organs of perception in the soul. So your soul, can, which is, cannot really perceive you, but your soul is a kind of house which you live inside. It's like your house. Can your house know that you are there? It doesn't know, but you own it. But it doesn't, the house can't, when it, in how, where you are, the, 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 this, you are the user of the house. But the house is not really alive to you like that. You get what I'm saying? But even though you are very, very alive, besides that's how it is, your spirit man. You don't, you don't perceive it, but if you know, it knows everything about your soul. When you are thinking what kind of way, hey, why is it thinking this way now? What, is, what kind of wahala is this? Where is it bringing? Your spirit man can smell all your thoughts. When you're thinking bad, hey, it's, hey, hey, it's hiding from some thoughts. When you begin to think about God, it becomes happy. You get what I'm saying? So it means that your soul is a, is a house that can move, that can do things, that can cry, that can laugh. Imagine that kind of house. Imagine if your house could do that. 
<laughs> Imagine if your house can just, I'm sorry, I'm just, these are just pictures coming to me. Imagine if, let's say, you like, you like 21 degrees centigrade. And that's the, that's the atmosphere conducive for you to stay. But imagine if your house is a living thing that can just change it to 36 degrees at any time. The house will just say, we want heat today. Today is a bubbly day. <laughs> imagine if your house can bounce when you are sleeping in the night. 2 a.m. Bam, 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 bam. That's the way our soul is to our spirit man. The spirit man is crying. <laughs> And the Spirit will be speaking to Christ and to the Father because they communicate. Because if any man is joined to the Lord, they want spirit with him. We ask him, Father, how long do I have to endure this? And Jesus will say, don't worry, calm down. We are working on him. We are working on her. Don't worry, don't worry. How would should I be listening to music at 2 a.m.? The sleeping time. Doesn't this soul, this house know that it's time to be calm? So Jesus will say, don't worry. We are still training this house. And to know how, you know, the life, to know how the neighborhood, the, the rules of the neighborhood, how we, you know, the, the, the ethics and how to behave and all of those things. Glory to God. And you know, some houses, they don't really disturb the whole spirit. They disturb the whole neighborhood, you know. <laughs> Praise God. And you know the neighborhood is church, right? Where, where they put all different houses. The neighborhood of, of called church. I know some guys, some houses, the music they play is so loud that when they are doing party, the whole neighborhood is doing whether you are Whether you are happy or sad, you must be willing to. That's the way some souls are. They disturb everybody. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Anyway, but, but you get my point. Now, this thing I'm describing to you, I'm not just making jokes, so. I'm just I'm teaching you the Bible. Everything I'm saying. The metaphor of house is how the Bible describes your soul. But it's not just a stagnant house. It's a house that has will. Just imagine your house had a will of its own. That's how your soul is. But the thing about your soul is that God designed it for he himself to live inside that soul one day. Because God cannot live inside, just inside your spirit. Because your spirit is not a house. You see that? Even though your spirit has its house, but your spirit is not, it's not designed and fitted with, it doesn't have couch, it doesn't have bed, it doesn't have kitchen, it doesn't have all the things that makes for dwelling possible. Your spirit man doesn't have that thing, but it has it too. But it has it by another man, because which he lives in, which is called the soul. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So, that should give you an idea, actually, that, you see, your, your will, your mind, your emotions, all these aspects of your soul, these faculties, they're actually designed to be a conducive house to your spirit. First of all, right? 
then while your spirit is living there, you're learning to live your spirit because that spirit is actually Christ. Right? It's really because it has become joined with Christ. Amen. Praise God. If your spirit and Christ, they are joined. They are in sync. They are in sync with one another. Praise God. If you ask Christ, what are we supposed to do today? He will say, ah, today is this, this, that. Then just say, okay, that's what you said. All right, don't talk. Don't call the spirit. Don't do expo. Stay here. Then you now go and check your spirit man. Spirit man, what is today? What are we supposed to do? He will tell you everything it will say. Be exactly matching to everything Christ will say. You know why? Because when they raised him from the dead, they didn't just bring him back like the rascal that he was before. He was raised in the process of recreation. He's a new creature. When he man be in Christ, he's what? A new creature. And it, so imagine you are you before. Then after a while, you now became a you that is alive. But that you that is alive is Christ. That's the beauty of Christianity. I used to know these things I'm telling you. There's no religion on the earth that can that has anything about anything spirit, forget about that one. Like what they call spirit is not really spirit. Most other religions, even in when they say they say spirituality, when you see a religion that is a spiritual, let's say Eastern religion, let's say Buddhism. Amen. I'm not trying to annoy anybody, it's just the truth. Praise God. You know it would be nice to say oh, all religions are valid. Because I'm a nice person. I don't like fighting people. Amen. But it's not crazy to be a lie. It's not true. You understand? I would like to say it, but I can't say it because it's not true. Right? Like Buddhists, for example, and all Hindus and all that. What you call spirituality, that has nothing to do with the spirit man, the spirit of those people who are practicing those religions. Now, all it is about is about they using their soul to commune with spirits. And the world is full of spirits. All the ones who, all of Satan's boys who are around the world, who are interested in souls. They too are interested in houses. Yes, you, you understand what I mean? They too are interested in what? They are looking for houses to buy, houses to stay inside, houses to live. Some of them live looking for houses they will live. Some of them is not houses they will live. They are looking for they are looking for houses to use to do business. From buying and selling, you understand what I mean? <laughs> Some of them they are looking for a house that's not even a house. They are looking for a house that they will convert to a warehouse where they will store their things. Those are all the evil spirits in the world. Praise God. And you can tell they can tell whose house. They can tell who owns the house by how the house is behaving. Right? Because each house starts behaving like its owner after some time. Amen. That's when you see some guys manifesting like in the flesh, you've just seen an evil spirit. When you see the evil spirit who owns the house, who confirmed the house, the way they behave is exactly how that person behaves. Because they've taken the house, they tore some things down, 
Maybe they removed the, the grass at the backyard. They said, no, we want a deck here. I don't know, where, where do you go? Do they use deck? Maybe Chuku Chuku, that's where they <laughs> stay. <laughs> I don't know the kind of house that evil spirit likes. <laughs> because, amen, but, however it is, that's how some souls, when it's Chuku Chuku souls, you know what I mean? When they, when you've given yourself to evil spirits too much, they'll be, they'll be choking you every time. Because, ah. Don't let evil spirits train you. Yeah. Only allow the spirit of God. But you understand my point? My point, I'm just telling you that there are spirits interested in what? In souls, in houses. And then, when you get born again, and now, they haven't lost their interest in your house. Do you see that? The new birth is not a recreation of a spirit, sorry, of a soul, is the recreation of what? A spirit. At the point when the, your soul was recreated, when you became a Christian, became born again, there is a place where your house was. It's called graveyard, right? Every soul of a person who is not born again is actually a graveyard. Every soul is what? A graveyard. Why do I call it a graveyard? It's not an insult. I'm just, a graveyard is just a place where a dead thing lives. Do you get what I'm saying? Right? What's the house of, and there are all kinds of graveyards. Some graveyards are inside the ground, some graveyards are like a house. There are all kinds of graveyards. But, but a graveyard is a house that's built for a dead man which is what your spirit man was before you gave your life to Jesus. So it's very clear that if a, a spirit is a graveyard, a house is a graveyard, that the spirit man is in that grave, there will be all kinds of spirits who live around that graveyard. They are, they are spirits of, of grave. Anything about the grave, they are, anything that is grave, not right, that is like that smells like the grave, that looks like the grave, that is like the grave. It is attractive to spirits of the grave, which are fallen spirits. All the Satan's guys, they love graveyard kind of nature. You understand what I mean? Yes, sir. Praise God. Yeah. Amen. So, so it's very clear that one thing that happened when you got born again that Jesus brought your spirit from the graveyard. Do you see that? And you can't bring your spirit also without bringing your soul. You actually change the position of your soul. Moving you from the graveyard, bringing you to another plane in the spirit. You moved from graveyard into the church. The church is another neighborhood. It's a neighborhood of, of houses, of souls, which God created. And that word for the church is called the pillar and the ground of truth. Do you see that? It's called the word pillar. Now, who, who prepared that ground? Who made the ground available? It was on that day in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost. That's when they, they prepared the ground of the, called the church. And God is saying that 
And you know, you know, houses can move, and that God is powerful. God can move a house from one neighborhood to another house. Every house is a mobile house. A house of your soul. Means you can, you can actually shift neighborhood. You can move neighborhood. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. But if you move a grave from land A to land B, in land A it was a grave. In land B, it's still a grave. Because you only moved it. You didn't change what it looks like. You didn't change. Do you know what I mean? It means that when you get there, you won't see TV, couch, stove, no kitchen. Why? There doesn't eat. There doesn't watch television. There doesn't do. <laughs> you won't see exercise things in there. All you will see is coughing and all the things that a dead person just stay. Be absent. So it's clear that after moving you into the church, right, your spirit is now in your house, in the church. They have to begin to now say, okay, this spirit needs to leave home. We now need to begin to import, before even they begin to import some furnitures, but before they even import furniture, they have to check the frame. They have to check what kind of house really should we build. Now, I want to show you something. Should I tell you something? Yes, sir. A lot of Christians have been, been moved from the graveyard a long time ago. They came to church, but there's something about the church we've not really spoken too much to our word, responsibility of what? Of, of reshaping. First of all, you must first deconstruct, then you must begin to build afresh. What are you building? Can someone tell me? The soul, right? You're, you must begin to build the soul again. But when you are building the soul, are you building the soul just with the, the, the recreated spirit in mind? No. What are you, who, what do you build the soul for? For God. Are you seeing that? That every and it is actually the is the principle of Christianity, of church, is that if you build something temporal, let's say you just build something that um, people on the outside, right, are would love. Now, do you know that when you are born again, they've brought you out of the graveyard, right? Yes, sir. Into the church. Yes, sir. Do you think those spirits of the grave, do they leave the house alone? No, sir. They follow the house. Now, I want, to, I want to ask you a question. Does being in the church, does it stop devil and his, his spirits? From speaking to you, no, sir. from advising you, no, sir. from telling you, well, this house, this, I know you have left this domain, but don't start change, making drastic changes. <laughs> Do you get what I mean? Yes, sir. Don't start doing what? Yes. Don't start making what? Drastic, drastic changes. We ask you, first of all, how can you be in a house and you remove the roof? 
Is this one an evil spirit talking to you? And the reason why they are wanting to remove the roof is that they must tear down that house to bring another. They begin to un, to. That's why Christianity is not a comfortable religion. Do you get what I'm do you get what I'm trying to say? Is not when you get born again. Initially, they will, and there's the milk of the word. You are still a baby. But when it's serious, what makes you from a baby to a child, right? Is when you begin to come into responsibility about the house. Say house. house. When you, when you are beginning to move a child mean, from a baby to a child means you can be trained concerning the house. You now begin to wonder. Like my little daughter, who is still a baby, can never think why is the house like this? Why is this one like that? But Zara, my elder daughter, she's becoming a child. She can begin to think about certain things in the house. She knows where, you know where things should be. She's beginning to have a, an awareness of her surrounding. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Uh, so the investment of Satan, this is what I want us to see, is that it's in that house. Do you know why? Because even though the house left the graveyard, he can still use it. The fact that you are in church doesn't make you useless to the devil. You all know now. This is very clear. How many people have you seen someone who is in church and devil has used before? And I, when I say devil, I don't mean that you have to go and discern and pray and God say, reveal to you, ah, it was the devil who used. No, no, no. It's, it's raw, visible manifestation of devil without thinking twice. And they can do that and then start speaking in talks the next moment. That, so that is a sign that they are in the church, but the devil is still using the house. Evil spirits come there naturally, they sit down, they do all the things they want to do. Are you understanding what I'm trying to say? Now, I want you to see the vision of God. That at, the, at God's mind, in his mind, all his thinking when he began at the beginning is one thing. Where will I live? For eternity. Do you get that? God, and this is the whole point. You say, why are we all here? Why are you in the world? Why is the world? You know, we wonder why did God create everything? Why are we in this world? It's simple. It's just simple. At some point in eternal frame, they just decided we want to live somewhere else. That's all. That's why you exist. That's why you are. That's why the heavens exist. That's why the angels exist. Right? For you created all things, Revelation chapter 4. And for thy pleasure means for you to be pleased, they are and were created. That's the point of everything. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created what all things, and for what thy what pleasure they are and were created. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That pleasure, there is something called the good pleasure of his will. You must read the Bible and read the Bible and keep reading the Bible and reading the Bible and help has to come to, for the soul to begin to 
break out of consciousness of the present, the consciousness of the grave. Conscious, at every point in the grave, there is an interpretation of point of living. Do you understand what I mean? There is an idea of the point of being alive. Anywhere you go. Now let me tell you something. Go into the banking sector, there's a point of life in that banking sector. Go into the engineering world. The way, as an engineer, what was the point of living, of life? <laughs> what he will tell you. He will give you one, one story, one, he will paint one idea, all of that. Okay, that's your own. And then go and meet a banker. Go and then go and meet a doctor. You understand what I mean? Go and meet a philanthropist. Then go and meet a religious rabbi. So in a different aspect of different areas of life, there is customized sense of what it means. What's the point of life? Why are we all here? Why are we all living? And the reason why everybody has a sense of point of life is because you can't act in the world without some kind of compass. You know what I'm saying? Then when you go to the beer parlor, in fact, that's where life starts in being interesting. <laughs> eh? You know, those guys, they are anointed to see in a different dimension entirely. <laughs> to them, when you see someone, when in stupor, when I say beer parlor, I mean, I don't mean someone who just came you know, for just to have a drink. I mean, I mean guys who live there. You know, when they wake up, they go there. They do their work from morning till night. Then, then when they are done their job, of course, they can't go home. Someone has to come and carry them <laughs> home. You know, there are people who live, that's their profession. You know? Everybody has their own work in life. Some guys, that's their own job. You understand what I mean? <laughs> when you talk to those kind of fellows, those ones, they are removed from the world. They are... They are you, you, when you begin to talk with them, you will begin to hear strange. You mean, you mean someone can see life like this? <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Let me tell you something. You, you interpret life based on the wine you are drinking. And you can insult all those wine drinkers in the alcohol. It's just the only reason you don't know we are insulting them is because you don't know you are drinking your own wine too. So the banker with his tie can come very clean and everything and then he will laugh at them. Look at this drunkard wasting your life. You understand what I mean? He doesn't know he is drunk with his own wine. It's only that his own wine has told him to wear his tie and suit and go and sit down in a cubicle punching Now, all of them together, what's, is there any difference? After one day, the heart will stop beating. The breath will stop taking breath. What will happen? The body will fall. Decay will start. Now, is there anything different in all their destiny? Naturally speaking. Now, are you seeing, are you seeing the point I'm making? Now, anybody who does, who, who does not in their lifetime develop a vision of life beyond this present world has the exact same destiny. All the vision, they all, they all collide, you know what I mean? That last day, last deathbed, or whatever you call it, 
Don't say, ah, oh, I was a banker, I was a this, I was a philanthropist. It doesn't matter. We are all, we are all arriving at the same point, man. <laughs> say decay. decay. They all decay. It's just a matter, all they are fighting about, the drunkard and the banker, is the road they will take to the decay. That's all they are fighting about. There's nothing else. The banker thinks his own, his, his own way is better than what? The other one's way. Do you understand that? There's nothing. As long as your vision of life is in this world, there's no difference between poor, rich, right? Affluent, powerful, weak. Who is the most powerful one in history? Find his name for me. I don't know who he is, but if you can tell me who he is. I will tell you where he went to. Then let's compare him with the poorest man. I will, tell, I will prove to you they all arrived at the same point. As long as they are not able to find something didn't happen to them to see another what, another point. So are you getting what I'm saying? Now let me tell you something. Now, this is the secret which the devil doesn't want anybody, everybody to know is that when you leave or you escape from this world, you will escape with your house. I'm not talking about physical body. When someone dies, all you see is body. What is that person who like, oh, I just prefer this, I prefer that, I like to go there, I don't like, oh, I don't like all this church, 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 every time, church, 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 church. I like a life as simple. Just think, calculate everything you need to do. Are you getting what I'm saying? You know, don't, don't be a fool. Don't let others tell you what to do. Be your own man. Be a free thinker. Now, are you seeing who is talking? It's not the mouth that's talking. It's someone inside that's talking through the mouth. Now, when, after, when they die, you will see the, the mouth will still be there. But mouth talk now. Mouth can't talk anymore because who was talking has gone. Do you get what I'm saying? So after dying, what will be left is just this one. See, this one is a type of house too, but that's not the one I'm talking about. That one is also addressed in the Bible. That's this physical one. But this is a house that that has a house living in it. So every person is a house living in a house, if you are alive. The first house is your soul. Then that one is living inside the house called your body. Are you getting what I'm saying? Once someone dies, right, the inner man, which is who they are really, and its house, both will go. Now, when you are dealing with Satan, all Satan's job is to make you feel that this world is all there is. So, and why would he do that? Is so that if he can make you see only this world, and then he will, he will make sure that you are only motivated that, that the only idea of a house that will come to you is a house that has relevance to this world. Now, that is the wickedness of the devil. 
But he himself knows, not just him, all his spirits, they all know that. They all know that the time a person spends in this life is a tiny speck compared to their entire time of living. But the deception is that can I make this person only see this world so that when they are building, they will not consider another domain of life. And if they don't consider it in their time on the earth, they will not build a house that can, that is relevant beyond this world. Now imagine, imagine a soul spending their whole life, right, and they are, the main goal they have is to become somebody who the world will celebrate. So that's, that's the best they can ever see in this life, okay? You become someone who the world celebrates, and then you achieve it, and then the world is celebrating you. Now, imagine someone, that person, then passing on with that house into a, a, a realm where they don't even know the world. What is the world? Where what they celebrate is something else entirely. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Nothing, nothing in this world has any... Like the rich man and Lazarus, remember that? In the Bible has told us every, all these things, right? The rich man was a, ah, everything. Lazarus was nothing in this world. Poor man. He has nothing. When it comes to any way, measure, he was nothing. And then they both passed away with their houses. Then when they passed away from this world, they now brought a rich man, uncle, sir, where the kind of house you built, there's a place in this realm for you too. But that place, the house you built um, in our society is refuse. So the, there's no place to put your house. Is where we dump garbage, where we, we burn our garbage. That's fire. Do you know, you know what hellfire is? Hellfire is what? It's a garbage incinerator of useless things. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Is you, no matter how much they like you, they want to help you. Hey, when they see the house you are bringing, they say, I'm sorry. And they say, the only problem is that every man is tied to his house. You cannot attach you from your house now. And uh, no, is that every man is glued to his house. So I'm sorry, where your house is going is where you are going, sir. They just moved him to his own zone. And when he himself checks the wall that he came into, you know, ah, there's no place for me in this place. Do you get what I'm saying? Now, you see that refuse dump where they send that rich man to? Where he was talking from. That's just a small one. God has an eternal one. It's called the lake of fire. Is that it's clear that when if that man enters the lake of fire, he won't even be able to talk at all. Because the lake of fire rusticates spirits, not just soul. You understand what I mean? Praise God. 
Now, everything I'm telling I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to show you just reality. Uh -huh. So this is the point I, I want to make with all this story, is that so when you're thinking of your building, your soul, right? now imagine somebody, a, a Christian is born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, right? And they're filled with the Holy Ghost, and something helps them. The Lord helps them to fall in love with that Holy Ghost. And just love the Holy Ghost, enjoy the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost will now begin to, you know when you, you love the, the Spirit, sorry. When you love the Spirit, the Spirit will now be, he will begin, after some time he will be checking your heart. Do you really love me? Do you really like me? He will be checking your heart. You say, Holy Spirit, I love you, I love you. I love to spend time with you. You love praying. You love praying in the Spirit. Amen. And the Holy Spirit will be checking. Do you really, really, really love me? You say, Holy Ghost, I love you. I love being around you. I love, I love your, your ambience. I love the atmosphere you bring. I, I love how you smell in my house. Your aroma, your fragrance. I love it. I love you. So I will love you to always stay. Now, now when the Holy Spirit has come and you find you are having space for him, you will now say, okay. After a while, he will now begin to pull you into his own side and into his own world. Begin to show you that there's a place I came from where God is. It's a place where we were, forget everything you see in this world, we were somewhere before. Have you ever caught to you before? That the Holy Spirit that lives in you was somewhere before you were created. There's a world, a realm he came from. You get what I'm saying? Now when he comes, after a while, he will begin, begin to speak to you about that realm, that place where he came from. Begin to bring ambience. Then after some time, you will now begin to, to call other entities from that realm to come to you, to begin to fellowship with you, to bring, I know how you know his spirits around you is the kind of thoughts that are called to you. If grave spirits are around you a lot, you mean your home, it smells like them. It invites them because there's no Holy Ghost. And they come around. How you know they're around is that they begin to, 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 to fire grave thoughts to you. Say grave thoughts. Grave thoughts. What are th grave thoughts? Thoughts of death. What is death? Simple. Death just means uselessness to God. Like anything that is useless to God is dead. It means God can't use it. Right? So they will begin to say, to fire their own thought. Now you can see two people who got born again at the same time. They move into the same neighborhood in the spirit. One of them has fallen in love with the spirit of God. Right? The other one doesn't like Holy Spirit too much because why? Holy Spirit takes away the form of life. You understand what I mean? Do you know what I'm, you don't know what I'm talking about? Yes, you guys are all Holy Ghost people, so you don't know. <laughs> Holy Ghost is your joy, is your habitation. Holy Ghost is everything to you. Amen. Praise God. Thank, thank God for that. Amen. Glory to Jesus. Amen. That's how it's supposed to be. <laughs> 
But all I'm just trying to say is that the Holy Ghost is not the joy of all Christians. That's my point to you. Have you met Christians who don't like Holy Spirit before? When you are speaking in tongues, hey, stop speaking in tongues too much. <laughs> when you just speak in tongues small, then what happened? Then bring your prayer point. Talk to the Lord. As if God speaks English. <laughs> Talk to the Lord. Write your prayer point out. Being intelligent. God gave you a brain. Think. Now, are you seeing that reaction? It's because your Holy Ghost is doing something to him. He knows that if he condones that Holy Ghost too much. <laughs> it means that his, his own joy, his or her own joy. Anybody who has not learned to derive joy from the Spirit will be uncomfortable in an atmosphere of the Spirit. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So two people born again came to church. Their houses, when I say house, I mean their soul, are opposite each other, right? One of them is learning the spirit, loving things. How, one, one of the signs, let me tell you something. I've, I've said it before. It's very, it's very simple. It's a very simple thought, actually. Is that you can't, there's a correlation, direct correlation between the love of the spirit or the love of God, or Jesus, any of them. There's a direct correlation between the love of them and the love for the invisible. Nobody can hate the invisible and tell me you love God. Do you know what I mean? When I say invisible, I mean things that don't appear. Right? You can't tell me you love God. God is a spirit. God does not appear. Does God come to your house and sit down? and No, he doesn't. And then, then you, you have Christians who don't like any, they don't talk about strange things, you know, they insult you because you tend towards the spirit. You understand know what I mean? To me, I prefer somebody is making mistake when it comes to spiritual things. Let's say you are speaking tongues, but a professor of tongue feels that your tongue is not correct. If there's any such thing, because I'm wondering, uh, how does someone know that somebody's tongue is not right? <laughs> 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 that somehow you must have you must have gone into the. But you, but you know the problem. What is the, the problem I found is that the guys who normally feel that people's tongue are wrong or something are guys who don't speak at all. Every time you see them, it's English morning tonight. Every time, but. They speak English, they are dialect, they can speak their mother tongue, everything, everything but tongues. But once you start speaking tongues, face will just change. They begin to, you know what I'm saying? You know some guys, it's not just tongues, though. some guys don't like interpretation, eh? They say, Why are you in that? How do you know that that's what God is saying? The question you ask them is, how do you know that that's not what he's saying? I've not heard you interpret one tongue before. <laughs> For me, it's better if maybe we are interpreting tongues and then maybe a master interpreter. You understand what I mean? 
who has been doing it for decades, seasoned, who, who reaches into the invisible and bring tongues raw and open air, that kind of thing. And if someone like that comes and then they say, ah, your interpretation is not too correct. He says, ah, so I'll listen to you, okay, ah, please can you help us? How can we do it? But somebody who you, you understand what I mean? Everything around you is carnality. Now when, you know some souls are anointed like that. When you, when you see someone can be a pastor. When you come to church and you see them, you see work. You don't see anything. Maybe you, you work from Monday to Friday, right? <laughs> you are tired of work. I mean, I mean, corporate world, you know, all of those things. Wearing tie, wearing suit. But someone who is meant to be a pastor, when you see them, you've just seen what? Corporateness. Rather, what you should see when you see a pastor is a, you should see another world. You should, a pastor should be a portal to the invisible. When, when you interact with a pastor, the interaction with a pastor, when I say pastor, I mean or any kind of man of God, anybody who say God sent me. You understand? When you re- interact with such a person, they should be smelling of a world that's better than this one. Don't, you can't say God sent you and you look like the world. God will deliver us from such people. Yeah. If coming to church, I'm not looking for a businessman or a corporate. If I'm looking for that, I know where to go. That's where I'm coming from. I want heaven instead. I want spirit instead. I want the invisible. The church should be a ground. The word church means ecclesia. Ecclesia means called out. Out. Say out. You can never turn that out to in. No matter how much you want to corporatize and everything, people, it's not going to work. One day the people will get tired. You understand what I mean? If, if, if you, if, and these are the seductions that we have. You can see a pastor now can be teaching the invisible spirit, God, beings who you can't see. And then he's checking the, the congregation. Oh, because men don't like those entities. Yes, do you, do, can we agree on that? Yes, People don't like Jesus. Mm-hmm. So if you're a pastor, you're teaching all those beings who are invisible. You, you are watching the face of the people you are teaching. You'll be seeing discouragement. You'll be seeing lack of interest. You'll be seeing all kinds of things. So, so a pastor can then be seduced and say, ha, ah, these are, and this is where ministry, this, this is the great temptation. The temptation is when you start as a minister trying to meet the needs of the people. Do you know what I mean by need of the people? What they think they need. <laughs> you understand? Yes, sir. The, and the, you forget that if what they think they need is valid, there's no reason for you. Yes, sir. Right? There's no reason for you as a pastor, nothing. You just, God will just be bringing everything that they need. And God, if God gives every man what they think they need, you will end up in the lake of fire. 
Why? Because the devil is the one who has configured the appetites of men. You don't need to go far. Just watch how the world is going. Everybody, even those that come and say, yeah, we've come with a solution. Check that solution. At the end, it will cause problem. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Is that just men don't know what they need. So that, that great pitfall is when even a pastor now begins, ah, they're not, they not listening to the word of God because they don't have too much money to, let's say, they don't have enough money to or do whatever, whatever we use money for. Or this one and that one, they are not established in their careers. They are not established in this, established in that. So therefore, um, in order to make them respond like church, like God, let's turn the church into a solution center. Now, I'm describing right now most churches I'm not going to mince my mouth. I'm not, I don't have anything against church. I'm a church boy. I'm actually a church rat. You understand what I say? You know what I mean? I mean that church rat is that when everybody has gone home, the church rat is inside the church. It's crawling around. That's a, amen. That's a, I grew up, I smell like church. So I was raised, everything about me is church. So I have nothing against church. It's just that the church belongs to somebody. And it's high time we start speaking about the, the, the purpose of he who owns the church. Do you understand what I mean? And those who abuse the church, they will breathe fire and brimstone. Once you begin to tamper with some of these things. Amen. What is fire and brimstone? Let's not go there. <laughs> Praise God. But the point I'm trying to make is that imagine converting the pulpit to become a needs meter. But needs not defined by God. Needs defined by what? Man, by what they want. All of those things. Praise God. And some people say, no, no, but Jesus did miracles. You've not read it very well. Jesus did miracles then when he saw them. These guys can never be satisfied. What happened? Jesus, pick race. Have you, you not read it? When he walked on the sea, he was running from some guys, right? And after he even ran, after walking on everything, they, the Bible says they took shipping. They followed him to the other side where he was. Jesus said, you guys, you're not following me because of, you know, because of food and all of that. He said, you didn't, you didn't follow me because you saw the miracles. You are looking for miracle. It's not the same thing. Following Jesus because you saw his miracles, which is what his miracles are supposed to do, is not the same thing as looking for miracle. His miracles are signs that should prove, ah, this guy, something about this guy. All right? If you can do this, what is it about you? Anybody that can do this, I will follow you all my life. That would have been a good response. But no, they are looking for the miracle, the bread, the actual material. 
that satisfies the actual stomach. Jesus said, no, 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 that's not why. Labor not for bread that perished, but that which endures unto all everlasting life. That which endures. That's the language of Jesus. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Praise God. So, that thing of um, so I'm trying to prove to you that even the church can be a place where they mold houses that are not according to that God himself cannot live in. What is the standard? Is if your house is built to accommodate corruptible things. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So imagine maybe a pastor or someone who God has called now wants will now change the message. Instead of because these guys need money, they need things. So instead they now become money preacher. Now, let me tell you guys something about money and material things. Let's say money. Say money. Money. Can God give you money? Yes. Yes. Yes, God gives money. He can. But God does not give money constantly. Even if you say Jesus fed the, the 7,000, I mean, he did it once. <laughs> he didn't do it every, it wasn't like an everyday, every, it was just constantly dishing out bread and loaves. No. <laughs> once, is it? He did it once. That was not the, 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 the core of what? Of ministry, of the church. What will happen? And let me say this, and you watch it. Let me, let me try to tell you the end. After some time on the earth, there will be different church. If the church continues this way, to get to a point where souls will rising up, and it's already happening gradually. To one day it just occurred to them. If I'm looking for money, why should I go to a pastor? Because they would take a survey. The richest guys in the city are not pastors. The richest guys in the nation are not pastors. The richest guys in the world are not pastors. Most likely, the one who is even preaching money doesn't have enough money. When I say enough, I mean like compared with. You understand what I mean? One day they will just wisen up. If it's material things I'm looking for, if if all your message is about how God will do my this, do my that, give my career, all this one, they realize that man, ah, ah, there are guys who have made money in this world with proof and evidence. They have five-step program on the internet. They do seminars. If you, gather, if your church, you have a church and all the members is money you, pro, you preach to them, one day your church will be empty and it's not very far from now. They will go to guys who have actually made the money, who know how to know the systems of this world and who can. Professionals, those who are in the finance world, they will go there. It's very, very soon... Praise God. If all you preach in your church, I'm not saying it's about to preach for money, 
or divine healing or anything, you get to a point where if all you are preaching is divine healing in your church, people will realize that. People will realize that. At the end of the day, most people who get healed is because they went to the hospital. You can say, why oh, are you Don't fight me, it's true, I'm not lying. Do the statistics. On average, if you get sick and you don't go to the doctor, you, you, you can die. Things bad can happen, you understand what I mean? That's the honest, am I saying Jesus doesn't heal? No. Many of these things you realize that those are not the core, right, of what? Of the church. The purpose of the church is what? If you're looking for physical things, anything in the natural you're looking for, there is a place where the skill, the mastery of getting that thing is, has been developed on the earth. You know, so not the church. The reason why, why God can still heal the sick, why he can still cause breakthrough, right, is so that you will not be too distracted. You, you, you know what I mean? You now find that when it comes to natural things, the needs that God is meeting for you, mainly the Lord will, will be doing things in your life to the point where there should not be a distraction for the development of your house for himself. Then there will now be a time when in the curriculum of developing your house, they will say, in this program, we need a little bit of suffering. You understand what I mean? Do you agree? That's in the Bible. I'm teaching Bible now. Except if you don't suffer with him, you can't be glory. Suffering is in there. So in that season, when it's now time, you've gotten to the, the suffering aspect. They say, we want to put the window now. This window, the frame, is suffering. We used to frame this part. Then, and you can't remember... You can never remove suffering from the Bible. Any pre- preacher who preaches away suffering is a false prophet and is a liar. After listening to him, you will still find out you are suffering. <laughs> Nobody can take away suffering. Do you understand what I mean? Now, when it's time for that kind of suffering, you now discover that God, the Lord will say, okay, I see this is a need in the natural but I am not going to meet it. It's because you suffering and having this kind of a need has some input in the building of your house. Are you understanding what I'm trying to say? So at the end of the day, what the point of being in the church is the development of your soul in according to the pattern that is not, is not according to the demand or relevance in this world. If the Lord is keeping you in the world, he's keeping you alive, meeting your needs, is so that you can still be breathing, so that they can be building your house. If you say, Lord, I don't want my... Actually, if you're a Christian, 
If you say, Lord, I don't want my house to be built anymore. I like this world. I want to pursue everything in this world. They'll be watching you. They will give you opportunity to change. Sometimes you might be in ignorance. But if you are not in ignorance, you know that there is a calling, right, which Paul called the hope of his calling upon your life. And you say, Lord, I don't like that one. I don't like the invisible. I just want to stay here. They will be checking you and checking you. God knows that if you live inside that house for too long, one day you will do what? You will check out of that neighborhood. You, evil spirit will convince your soul, your spirit man, that it's better to be in the graveyard. Somebody who is born again can go back to the graveyard. In other words, you can lose your salvation. And sometimes, if God says that, if we leave you like this, you don't want to change nothing, no, you say, okay, no problem. Let's just leave this earth. The reason for life is for transformation. Do you get what I'm trying to say? And that's also why you shouldn't, once someone is a Christian, and if they're a Christian and they die, you shouldn't sorrow like unbelievers. Because you don't know why. You don't know why God is calling somebody. Say, no, don't stay here anymore. God might, God might be like, if you live your life here, you might suffer some kind of hazard in the future. Hazard to your spirit that you might not be able to save. The Lord can just say, okay, no worry. You've tried. You've done your best. Don't worry. You can come. There are all kinds of things that you don't know about God. And even the more as the days are getting evil. The more evil the days are, the quicker it is for a soul to turn back from God. Because the kind of spirits who talk to Christians today, they are evil spirits, they are hefty. They are mighty beings. We found a way, because of the way we live, to import them, give them a legal space to come into our world and begin to speak to men's souls, to have input in how souls are developing. So it means that a soul in this present world can get how bad you can become in two years. Maybe in some previous era, it can take you two decades to get that bad. In terms of your heart. Now, to convince a soul to take a posture against God, Say, God, you don't exist. In fact, I want to live. It's not that they don't know he exists. Even the atheists know he exists. It's just that the heart has become strong to make a decision that I will live in this life as if you don't exist. It means I will deny you at every turn. And if God sees that in his soul, that's a dangerous thing in his soul. Such things were unheard of before. Before you find someone that will say, ah, there's no God living like this, it was very strange. Men were not like that before. Men acknowledge their sin, how ah, we are falling short to God will help us. But check today, souls have become bold about God. It's not ordinary, it's spirits. Spirits. You understand what I'm saying? So, my message is that it's a dangerous season for any soul to be living without the, without purpose, right, of the purpose of your soul in view. Do you understand me? It's a dangerous time. Don't think that you can just be like that. There is nobody like that that can be like that. You are, 
Thank you, Jesus. Amen. What did I say? Nobody can just be like that. You are being made into something. It doesn't matter whether you choose to love Jesus or you choose not to love Jesus. When you say, those who are following Jesus, they are too extra. I want to just be a simple guy. In your simple guyness, okay, be, try and be a simple guy for one year, two years. I assure you, the simple guy you'll be in two years is not the same simple guy you are today. You don't have control. You can't say, I'll just be, I won't change. You can't stop change. You are too weak. What moves people, what, what shapes houses of souls are spirits. They don't need your, too much of your decision. It's just that they've already bought your decision. When you say, okay, no, I won't do anything. I will just be simple. Your idea of being simple did not come from God. It came from a spirit's mind. Go and say, oh, I will just be a simple, I won't be religious, I won't be too spiritual. Now, see that image of a person you see that's not religious, being spiritual. Who created, did you, did, you, did you create that image? It occurred to you one day that someone can live like this. Who created that, that thought? Somebody's idea. Everybody is living the idea of a spirit. Say, no, I'm my own guy. Nobody is their own guy. If someone tells you I'm my own guy, it's just it's because you have not asked him enough questions. You just ask him, when you, are, you ask him some questions, you, till he enters the zone where he has no answer, you will now realize that most of the things he does in his life, he doesn't know why he's doing them. And this is, by, this is like everybody will say, human beings are not ra- rational. Oh, I just like this. Why do you just like this? Why don't you like that? When they are walking in the likeness of this in you, you were, not, you were not conscious. Do you understand what I mean? There are spirits in the world. Amen. Amen. There are spirits where? In the world. And all the spirits in the world are interested in developing man to become a certain kind of house. Because they know the vision of God, that what God wants to build is what? A holy temple. Amen. Quickly, verse 21. It says, In whom all the building fitly what? Framed together, does what? Groweth into what? An holy temple where? In the Lord. Grows into an holy temple. So when they fit you together, right? That fitting is according to the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. Only the Holy Ghost knows. Only the Holy Ghost knows. That's why they, that's why they won't say, You're born again now. Go and be a good Christian. If they do that, you will go back to all the things you were doing before. Yes. Now, do you know that somebody who is an unbeliever, they are an unbeliever, they are not Christians, they are not born again. While you were still an unbeliever, you are an unbeliever. While you were still an unbeliever, you had an idea of who a good Christian looks like. Do you understand me? You had an idea what a good Christian. You can describe him. Ah, a Christian, good Christian does this and all of that. Now, if you get born again, your spirit is resurrected, you're now saved, and they don't they leave you alone. You say, go and be a good Christian. What idea of good Christian are you going to be? It's the one that you know. 
Now, who, was it God who revealed that idea? So you see this fitly, the concept of temple, one thing about temple building, and it's a principle from the Bible you can never break. When it comes to God, temple building must be done, it's not done by just anybody. It's actually it's a, specific, it's a specific body of knowledge. It's a, it's a specific kind of profession. You understand that is a is actually a specific wisdom about building a temple. Now, if you think Christianity is just anything, you know, some people think that that just get born again. However, you like to serve God, serve Him like that. You understand what I mean? It's like every it's almost as if everybody has their own God. You get what I mean? Like, like anyhow you want to serve Him. You serve him like that. Now, imagine you are a father. You have some children, four children, right? And if each of your child, they don't believe that you have an actual definite idea of the things they should, of what you prefer. They just they believe that the father told them that they want to interact with is who they think their father is. You understand what I mean? Now, one child's idea of a father can be a person who only plays from morning to night. I can bet you in my daughter's mind she has an idea of me like that. And when she sees the way I am, I'm not meeting up at all. In fact, I need to repent and change. Do you get what I'm trying to say? The other child has his own idea of who the father is. That one is completely different from who the other one is. And now imagine all of them have their own idea of who the father is. Right? And they say that, no, I don't care. Don't, don't try to make father one thing. To me, my father is what I have have a unique, you know. Uh-huh. But there's nothing like that. At the end of the day, God is one is a being somewhere. He's like an actual being who likes some things and hates some things. <laughs> Do you understand what I mean? Who likes what? He likes some things. And then he does what? He does. And the things we, we, we like and the things we know are more of the things than he, that, he, that he hates than the things that he likes. Now, are you seeing the danger of each person going into their own, trying to build their own house according to an idea of God which they have? And then you say, no, no, we're not trying to build with you. All we just mean is that the Holy Spirit will just talk to us directly, individually. 
Now, the, you know, the, the folly of that thing is that. That person who is saying the Holy Ghost will just talk to them individually and they will just be, be knowing God just by the Holy Spirit privately. When you check that person, if you check them, maybe talk to those who are closest to them, who are wiser than them in every way. You begin to hear things like, ah, this person only always does this thing. I've been telling them since to stop. They refuse to stop. Or maybe, they, or maybe you should talk to their parent. Hey! This person, this child has been struggling with this one every time we talk. Don't do it this way. And then when you check, ask the person, ah, don't you know that these things are wrong? <laughs> Man, God is helping us. Do you understand know what I mean? They have foolish things they are doing that raw human beings physically, who can even slap them sometimes, and shout in their ear, this is wrong. They don't hear them. Wow. They want you to leave them alone to go and be hearing the Holy Ghost in the Spirit. <laughs> now, somebody who cannot hear human beings, who are wiser than them, who even push them sometimes, do all manner of things to get them to do the right, to do the right thing. Is he a Holy Ghost that nobody even knows what he has said to you? If you, are, if you disobey, nobody can ever know. Is that, is that that's the one you want us to just leave you, to go and be following in your closet? Man, you end up in hell. Is it that easy to follow the Holy Spirit raw? When I say raw, I mean... He will just reveal to you secretly. Not the things you like to do, no. I, know, I understand that one. Those ones are sweet. You understand? The things you love to do. When you go, you go say, go and do them. <laughs> yeah. you, you tell stories about, you know, I was just driving today. The Holy Ghost was just talking to me. He was just telling me, you know, this, you know what I mean? People who talk about what the Holy Ghost are telling are things that, you know, they understand. What about the things that you, you has never occurred to you before? Things that your entire nature is configured against. Now, how can a Holy Ghost, that a spirit, do you understand what I'm trying to say? Say church. That's the reason for church. That's the reason why, when it comes to building of temple. It's like Israel in the wilderness. God said, I want to come raw and fresh on the mountain. You guys should come. He hasn't even just begun to even speak. Maybe Jesus was just, maybe God was just clearing his throat. <coughs> he hasn't, you know all those fire, all those smoke on them, everything. Maybe God hasn't said anything yet because he hasn't really spoken, right? Because Moses was still trying to get him to talk after they got there. Maybe he was just, oh, yeah, just relaxing. What happened? All the Israelites say, you see, Moses, this is your God, all these things. <laughs> Moses. See, Moses, how can you compare us with you? You left 
You came to wilderness for 40 years. You've been hearing this God since. How can you just bring us raw like that? Come and hear it. Say, no, please. Go to him. Whatever he says to you, we will do it. Now, and while Moses was on the mountain, God was talking to him. They didn't all gather in, this, in a calm, solemn way. Let's oh, just, all of us, you know, there's maybe, maybe all the elders will now lead chorus and say, let's just sing and then, just to keep our hearts and let's just wait. Let's keep our hearts in solemn place so that anything Moses brings, we'll be ready to do it. No. The moment Moses left, what happened? Party started. <laughs> now imagine people, now I want, to, I want you to watch. Now those who think they can listen to tiny voice, you have to prove to me you are better than those Israelites. In the, you understand what I mean? Now, imagine all, how did Moses describe their experience? When the thundering came, everything came, they, they began to entreat. Let this not be spoken to them any longer. They exceedingly what? Quick. They trembled. Imagine, after all that trembling, they, could, they began to donate their necklace to build what? Imagine a God you just saw raw on the mountain. You can begin to build a golden calf to him. I'm sure, I'm sure I don't even know how long Moses, maybe they, they just waited some minutes, he hasn't come back. He just be like, this Moses, maybe it's God has taken him. You know, what shall we do? <laughs> when Moses came down, they were what? Partying, dancing, all of those things. They've forgotten God. And God knew that. That's why God has to bring it raw, institute the priesthood. You understand what I mean? To keep the people in check. Amen. Now, in the New Testament, the Bible says that when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto men. He gave some to be apostles, some to be what? Prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Amen. Verse 12. For the perfecting of the saints. Ephesians 4, verse 12. You see that this thing here? For what? Now, are you seeing what pastors for? Apostles, what? Prophet? Hmm? He gave gifts to them. For what? To make the saints rich. To make them have all the money. To make them settle and be comfortable in this world. To make them rich so that other worldly people can see them and then then see them and know that their God make it rich so that they can get born again. And then they will then come and be born again and be made rich themselves so that they can show. So where does the cycle of richness stop? At what point will we be concerned about what God wants? Let me tell you guys the honest truth. God does not respect this world. Though. This one, I know this one for a fact. It's not just that God doesn't respect the world. The world stinks to God. That's why if you have the things of this world, don't be proud of them. Be careful with them. Jesus said it's easier for a camel to enter into the eye, through the eye of needle than for a rich man to enter. It, it, so it's not saying you won't enter. It's just that it's hard, actually. Because of God's heart against riches. 
that perish. If God makes you, God can make a Christian very rich. If God is making you very rich as a Christian, be crying. That's actually the honest truth. If you're a Christian and God is blessing you with so much money and you're happy, you're a fool. You don't actually know what riches are. You don't know that every riches they're adding to you, they are multiplying the difficulty for you to enter into the kingdom. This is not Jesus who said that. You are multiplying what? The difficulty. There's nothing, there's no way around it. If you are rich, the richer you are, the harder it will be for you. When you get to the kingdom and then in the kingdom, you see rich men there. Respect them. And and I promise you, you will not see many of their kind. If it's so difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom, it means the rich men who will get there will be few. Now when you get into the kingdom, you will see that it's mostly those who are poor in this world. Jesus taught these things. You can never change them. Either not many wise, not many prudent. Those are types of riches. Wisdom, prudence, the things which men celebrate. Those are the things which the world wants to model you after. A nice, wise guy who knows how to do it, how to get it, how to get things. You, you, know, you know that thing of you know how to get things in this world? Things flow. You understand what I mean? When you are like that, you can do things. You are savvy concerning the world. A carnal person will celebrate you. But God makes it such that people who are savvy in the things of the spirit struggle with the things of the world. It's not that, it's that it's intentional when you are not very quick in this world. It's to help your soul because of the kingdom. Do you know why? Because to God, the world means nothing. Say, God, how will you bless all the old believers with money, everything, but Christians suffer? That's your own problem. That's not God's problem. When God is seeing a Christian suffering, it's more of a good thing than a bad thing. As long as it's not more than he can bear. Most likely, if he handles suffering with faith, it will work out. The trying of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes. Necessity will be laid on souls. They now say we glory in tribulation. Hey! We glory in it too. When it's coming, we are dancing. <laughs> Tribute time, glory time. <laughs> you know. Like, look at some people, someone like Paul. Jesus, Jesus himself was a master of tribulations. Imagine walking around the country, everybody hates you. Not just, not just, if it's the poor who hate Jesus, it will be better. They are nothing. They can't do anything to him. All the authorities. The guys who have the power. Guys who can literally kill you. And they literally did. That kind of tribulation. That Jesus was waking up and sleeping in such a condition. Hostile environment. And he didn't enter the father's mind to deliver him from it. So no, that's your cause, man. It's not just only your cause, it's a cup. After drinking it, leave some for others who will come after you. All your people, who will, anyone who will enter glory must drink from that cup. 
So it became him by whom and for whom I met. Bring, bringing many sons to glory. To make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. Captain. If the captain of the team plays ball, won't you play ball if you are in the team? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? He's the captain. When you, you would drink, he would, he would teach you how he drank his cup. This, this, so this, this is what we do with suffering, man. You, you take it and you, you, you sip it at a certain pace. Jesus will be beside you. Yeah, sip it, boy. Sip it, girl. That's what we do with suffering. And you must be joyful while you are doing it. See, if you are a Christian, you are a different, you are a different species entirely. Women are crying, hey, my job. <laughs> That's how men shout. Our oh, economy is going down. <laughs> Suffering boys are, are gyrating. They, they, are, they are smelling necessity. Tool of transformation, something. When is, when is my own coming? What, what, God, what, what is my own part in this season? What's, are you, you know what I'm saying? What, what they are seeing are garments of glory being prepared. I won't lie to you, all the apostles, all these men we read in the Bible, they are all like that. The life, which the, what the world glories in, is not what you as a Christian glories in. Your security is not your job. How, how, why would your security be your job? Someone who is a fool will say, uh-uh, aren't you a Christian? You follow God now. How can unbelievers lose their job? You lose your own job too. Wasn't there an angel there to, to slap the head of the CEO and say, no, this one's not. They don't understand your life. We, after Jesus went to the cross, you know, somewhere, Peter Right, John, all those disciples, it must have been a problem to them. They will be meditating because they saw Jesus. They saw how they beat him, how they slapped him. You know, that thing shook their, their theology or everything Jesus taught them. This, I thought this guy we were following was a king. What we thought is that he would handle Herod, go to Rome, handle Caesar, establish the kingdom on the earth, Israel will establish. That's what we were expecting. How can they be slapping this man like this? Flogging him. Peter was shocked. He was walking afar, but he was watching everything. And I know it's not only Peter who was there. All the disciples were watching. They must have been. They must have wondered. Then after resurrection, everything, then Jesus appeared to them. Their mind calmed down a little. Now, when you saw Peter went out fishing, you don't know why he went out fishing. No. Let them put you in that situation first. Someone you idolize, someone who has done all these miracles, to you this is God. They handled him, they, they rubbished him, beat him, everything. That Peter was broken. He didn't know, he couldn't, his theology did not just Peter, many of the disciples, like those two who were on the way to Amias, who Jesus appeared to them, they were arguing, ah, 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 is he not the person who preached, who did all these miracles? How did this thing happen to him? Jesus appeared to them, look at you, oh fool foolish, slow to hard to believe all that the prophet has said. 
Don't you know that the Son of Man must suffer many things and enter into his glory? Means they couldn't interpret their concept of the Messiah. They couldn't figure out his suffering as part of that cup, of that cause. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into where? Into his glory. It's actually the pattern. And they didn't understand. I believe even after Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, they still didn't understand. They didn't understand. Why does, would Jesus go through all these things? Is there not a way that God could have brought forth you know, his own life without his son being put to such a shame? Because how do I know? After Pentecost, they were all still miracle boys. They just continued from when Jesus, where Jesus stopped. Beautiful gate, through faith in my name, in his name and all of that, that which I have give I unto you. The name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Miracles, all those things were happening. They didn't understand what God had to encounter a person called Saul of Tarsus, Saul, Saul, on the way to Damascus. Why persecutest thou me? I am him whom thou persecutest. You understand? He went to a guy who has pedigree in this world. When he came to the Jews, he was, Paul was most excellent. The best the Jew has to the Jews have. When Jews see Paul, they get convicted. They feel we are not Jews. Zealous concerning all things, knowledgeable. An elite. He was like a, an elite lawyer in the spirit. He knew everything about everything. That, then Paul, Jesus now said, This kind of man, I want to. So God just wants to show his, the thought of God. That when we encounter a, a person, what are the things we go for in that person? That's what Jesus went for in Paul. He crumbled it. Crumbled it. Paul was the one who began to say that everything which I have acquired, I have counted to be dung. Dung means refuse. All my CV, here, doubtless, I count all things but loss. They are lost. I must lose them for the excellency. The excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. I, he said I suffered the loss of all things for him. He's not as exaggerating. He actually lost all things. And I do count them but nothing that I might win Christ. Verse 9. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, even the righteousness which is of faith, of God by faith. Three, that I may know him. Hey, 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 hey. It means that this Paul, who was a lawyer, who, was this, this, the, who had all the law of Israel in his mind, and which constituted a zeal in him. Now, how well would you know a thing? How well would you, should you know a thing to get to a point of so much conviction about it that you can kill for it. Not just one, not just two people. He was wasting the church. Means that when he came, Paul knew the law to the point where you can't argue anything with him. He knows everything about the law. But at some point, he said that I am in. I don't want, there's nothing else to be known again in this world. Forget about it. I just, you just need to know him. Than the power of his resurrection. Now see this one. Fellowship. 
means Jesus has schooled Paul. That look, oh, this suffering thing, there's actually a fellowship of suffering. You can never change this word in the Bible. No matter how much anointing of prosperity preaching you have. With all your anointing of prosperity, a prosperity preacher, when you get to Philippians 3 verse 10, it will tell you the fellowship of his suffering. But now when you say fellowship, it means his suffering must have fellows. You, there must be fellowship of suffering. You suffer, you study his type of suffering, which is prescribed by the spirit. To suffer means to suffer loss. Some things which you feel you need in the flesh, they will say we won't give it to you. Stay without them. Because a man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things which he possesses. Not just suffering, then that suffering will lead you somewhere. It's a kind of conformation unto his kind of separation, his kind of death. Everything about Christianity, let me tell you the truth, is to separate you from this world. And let me tell you guys something, whether you believe it, you can hear this message today, see I will go home and continue my own things, this is just this man's idea, but I will give you a promise. If the Lord spares your life, you live long enough. Let's say when you are 80 or so in this earth, you will see this kind of life in the church. I promise you. And there won't be few. There will be many. You see the way the church is going around pursuing everything but God. There will be a time when churches will pursue nothing but God. Nothing but God. Nothing but God. Nothing but God. When someone stands and says, I'm a man of God, hey, it will be a portal into, into a realm of true riches. Riches that does not count. And then let me tell you something else. Everything the world has will fail them. Those who build houses with riches and money, they'll get to a point all the money can't satisfy their soul. They now realize there's something, and there's another house inside me that's yearning to be rehabilitated. Yeah. It's in ruins. You know, a soul can feel ruin of themselves. You know, someone can be pursuing money. The Bible says that those who will be rich in this world want them not to trust, in, not to be high minded, not to trust in uncertain riches. That was Paul speaking to Timothy. Right? But to trust in him who has given us freely all things to enjoy. Say, so though that will be rich, they will, they will go down into the pit, I forgot how he put it, and they pierce themselves with many sorrows. They pierce themselves with many sorrows. Let's see that one, just glory to God. Them who will be rich. Same, same chapter, just go down a bit. It says, for the love, or is it higher? Yeah, it's higher than. For the love of money is the root of all evil. You see that? You can't change all these things, though. Which was some coveted after they have heard from the faith. You can't change this thing. If you love money, it's highly likely you will, call, you will err from the faith. And they pierce themselves with what? Through with many sorrows. Every riches of this world, are they are padded with sorrows. When you just get acquiring something today, it's very sweet today. The sorrow is behind it. Anything, just think of anything. Buy a new car today, you will enjoy The sorrow is coming. You understand? When the brake, you said, I'm not ready to brake anymore. 
There is no brake that will break forever. You understand? No matter how nice the car. One day, what will happen? Break will say, sorrow time. Mechanic time. No matter how nice it is. You know, the, you know the greatest place I feel nobody, no soul should get to? When you've, got, you've pursued the world so much, you're getting to the peak of acquisition on the earth. And you're now realizing then that there is something inside you that can never be satisfied with material things. You're in trouble. You wonder, ah, this person, you got to the peak of your career. Why do you commit suicide now? Have you finished enjoying uh, all this world? Uh, what are you looking for? Why are you dying? Why are you killing yourself? You don't know what? You don't know. When a soul is in ruins, you can have anything around you. There are some things that will not satisfy your soul. They just cannot. You can, someone can have many things in the natural. Money, fame, career, nice career, good husband, good wife, good family. Everything that appears is very nice. But inside their soul, this, the house doesn't have window. The leak half is, there's a giant hole in the roof of the house, in the soul. When rain is falling, it beats them. When it's harsh winter condition, they are shivering in the soul. The, the soul is in a constant state of torture. There is no amount of acquisition. So when they feel, when they, when they, whenever they feel that naked, that, that pain of the soul, they quickly pop out. What's the next thing? They want to get the next thing. They feel that that next thing will answer. They now discover that the, the greater the acquisition, the more painful the void of the soul. What shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? There is nothing you can give. That soul house thing is there. It's there. It's there. All I'm trying to tell you today is build your house. Build your house. Let nothing discourage you from building your house. Can you, can, you be, can you be a person of courage? What I mean by that is, can you stare at this world and talk to the world? The world will say, I'm here. I say, I know you are here. The world will say, I'm real, and you are not real. So what do you mean? I said, I'm real. I said, you are not real. I said, what do you mean? I'm not really the one saying it. The Bible tells me that you are not actually real. We say, but I'm here, I know. But that's not, you being here is not the proof of reality. So what do you mean? What is more real than me? So don't worry, time will tell. Are you, are you trying to tell me that the security I'm, going, I'm offering you now, you don't like it? You say, yeah, I understand. Because I'm putting on this flesh, there's a pull towards you, but I'm not foolish. I know that anything you can give me is momentary. Even if you give me pleasure, I know that when I lick the pleasure, after it is, the sweetness is gone. The taste is torment because it's vanity. That's the conversation you have with the world. Then, then the world will go away and say, oh, this person is mad. What kind of a conversation is that? Then you will now go and say, tell, you will look for a more glorious advocate, which is another aspect of worldliness. We now come to you to what about me? Forget about that guy who was talking to you. Forget him. He doesn't have status. Me, I know your actual soul. I know 
what you are meant to be in this world. This is the world talking to you. Why don't you even think about your future? About yourself? Is this world just going to pass like this? Pass you by? Without you becoming? Look at all the things you can be. Are you telling me you are not going to even choose one? And pursue? You tell the world, no. No. Why didn't Jesus choose you? When Satan showed him all the world, were you not there? Didn't Jesus see you? Instead, why did he say, it is written? Why did it reject you for what is written? I'm not wiser than Jesus. I will follow the path of Jesus. That's how you speak to the world. The world will say, no! After a while, you get angry. Say, no, 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 no! Why are you spending so much time on just talk, 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 things that are not real and substantive? There's so much you can be doing with your time. You're not going to get these years back. You're not going to be this age anymore. Your mates who are out there are spending... Sometimes the world will start talking to you like that. You feel it somewhere inside your soul. How you know it's urgency. You start seeing those mates they are talking of. You begin to see them. What they are doing. You, you remember their, their, their WhatsApp, their LinkedIn page. Their, you see all the pictures. You know, they always, it's an advocate. They always talk with proof. It's like it's a court of law. You understand what I mean? So are you just going to be facing the invisible, all these invisible things? Is that all you're going to be doing, 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 and doing, and doing, and doing, and doing? Then after, you know, if you want to make make the world devastated, switch. You know, the world likes to talk in their own things. You can then switch it and say, okay, all right. Hmm. Okay, can you give me peace that passes understanding? Now, this is you asking the world question now. What do you mean by peace that passes all understanding? If you have a nice job, won't you be peaceful? You say, no, I, I can't be peaceful because I can show you a hundred ways that that job can disappear. And after you give me the job, I know that you too will come back and show me a hundred ways that that job will disappear to take my peace away. But there is a peace that passes all understanding. It's not tied to the realm of things that understand. It is a peace. It's a reality. It's a peace that transcends the corruptible, that that transcends corruption. They now ask the world, can you make my soul eat and belefu? You know what I mean, belefu? To eat and then what? Oh, my soul. Now, 
the world will not have an answer. He will do as if he didn't hear what you said. They will not say, okay, <laughs> let's leave that zone. Let's leave, that's Philippians. Let's move into First Peter's zone. Can you give me joy unspeakable, full of glory? Say, what do you mean? Those things are not tangible. Why are you looking for that? Say, no, 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 no. Um, but the reason why you bring things is to try and give me that. But they do, it can't give me that. When you see people in concert venue, yeah! The musician is singing, bubbling. You know what I mean? That thing. What are they looking for? It's joy unspeakable, full of glory. But after dancing and dancing, they go to their wretchedness. Joy has ended. I don't care the joy. When you go to a football stadium, when Man City is winning, yeah, we are the champion. That's the highest job life. But after some time, the footballers will stop playing. They are tired. They will go home. You can't take that footballer to your living room to play. You want to make this joy eternal. You can't do that. <laughs> now, name anything in this world that does not finish and leave you with your wretchedness. At the end of the day, you take your wretchedness home and sleep. Only one being, when you are lying down, is lying down with you. In fact, when you are lying down, that's when joy is starting. As you are sleeping, laying down your head, say ghost. Holy ghost, holy ghost, holy ghost. Now, holy ghost, holy ghost doesn't need football stadium, music theater. It doesn't need anything like that. Sometimes the Holy Ghost will just going to tell you, I want to talk to you about a love. It's just a love. Just him mentioning that word to you can send you into another realm entirely. Because when the Holy Ghost mentions love to you, in that word, the love of your husband, your wife, your father, everybody who has ever loved you falls in comparison. You know that what they are talking to me about is another thing entirely. And it, 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 not even, it, won't, it hasn't even brought the love yet. It's just, you can just bring a song about the pursuit of that love. You know, sometimes trying to pursue the Lord and singing a love song to charm him and bring him out, that is the enjoyment of that alone. You, it will make you say, God, can I just be trying to know you forever? See, I know it's sweet me, but... I will actually come one day. That day, you will explode. (laughs) 
Even just the school of God. God's school is the only school that is sweet. Every other school you'll be crying, you don't want to learn. But when they open up the school of the Spirit to you, when the school of the Spirit, God is a person who he hasn't come, who just singing, calling him is, calling him is glorious. Just shifting your mind towards him. Glory fills your soul. The thought of him. Do you know? One thought of God is more glorious than all the glories of the world put together. Mm-hmm. What a song. Let us fall more in love with you. Let us fall more in love with you. Let us fall more in love. I want to know how what how deep is love, love, love. I want to know. Amen. And this was a prayer of Paul to the Ephesian church. Say, for this cause I bow my knees to the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom all the family inherit his name, that he will grant unto you according to the riches of his glory. Hey! means his glory has riches to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man verse 17 that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith that you've been rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth the length the depth the height to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge Say which passeth knowledge. Which passeth knowledge. The love that passeth knowledge. What it means is that when you feel like you when, you, when they're even teaching you the law, you are just beginning. That knowing the love is to launch you into a, a love world. That that love, it, it passes all knowing. It's talking about because the love speaks the native language of your soul. When it arrives at your soul, you know that this is what is meant to be here. That you might be filled with what? All the word, the fullness. All the fullness of God. Amen. Thank you, Father. The Lord will condition all of us. Amen. We just change you become his true rich. You won't join yourself by the acquisition of things that pass away. You will be rich toward God. That's what the Bible says. It's called because it being rich towards God. The riches of your heart. Does it mean that you now realize that when you pursue God and you have God inside of you, everything will begin to run after you. 
Yes, because it says if you seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all other things shall be added. Let's put God in his rightful place. God, you're not a sideshow. You're not a side thing. You're not someone that I come to when I'm down. Or You are the main cause. You are the main meal. You are the point. You are the reason. You are the reason why I breathe. The reason why I'm alive. Nothing else is worth pursuing. Nothing else is worth knowing but you. I will spend all my life. I will spend all my days. I will spend all my lifetime. Everything about me. I will spend it. And when I'm spending it, I won't feel like I am spending. I will feel like I am gaining. Because really you, gaining you is everything. I will show all. I will treat you like a man who finds treasure in a field. And goes and tells nobody. But sell all that he has. Just to buy that field. To gain the treasure. There you are the treasure. Treasure of my heart. Mm. The treasure of my soul, treasure, oh Jesus, oh Jesus, oh Jesus, oh Jesus, oh Jesus, oh Jesus, oh I want to know how, how, how it is of love. I want to know how, 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 I want to know how, how, how,
Father, we bless you tonight. We give you glory. Yes, you're bringing judgment. Judgment. Through true perspective to judge all lies of the enemy. To help our hearts, oh God, to remove blindness wrong arguments which have been made to our soul even by the world Lord to esteem the corruptible more than that which is incorruptible oh father you are judging these things yes you judge these things you judge these things you judge these things judge these things you brought judgment because here the prince of this world is judged Father, we thank you today. I pray, Lord, let this spirit of right judgment, let it be upon every heart. Amen. You've spoken to us very simply this evening, but Lord, most powerfully. Father, I pray, oh God, that you will let this word move into the conversation, secret realm of conversation, Lord, in every heart, in every soul, in every spirit. But I pray that at every point of life when this judgment needs to arise, but I let it be there. Let it stand. Let it stand strong to judge every lie, every deceit of the enemy. For I pray, O oh God, that you will bring every soul into freedom, into liberty. Liberty, Lord, to live for you, to pursue you, to count all things down for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ that we might win Christ and be found in him but having our own righteousness for that which is of God by faith that we might know him the power of his resurrection fellowship of his suffering being made conformable to his death the Holy Spirit impart the blessing which you brought today, tonight to every soul the real substance, the weight of these things, O oh God, and even the grace therein, let it be upon every heart. Thank you, our Father. We give all the glory and all the praise unto your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. Let's share the grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Surely goodness, mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. We dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Praise God. God bless you.